When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. feel like singing the Welcome Back Cotter song. And for all you younger folks, um, welcome back. I forget how it goes, but that that's that's what I feel like today because I've been off for a week. I've survived a, uh air emergency. Uh, as I was instructed on YouTube, it was not at 50,000 feet, probably 35,000 feet. Um, that story is for another day. The, the story that I will tell you on Saturday, if you guys didn't watch it, it was one of the best MLS games I have ever personally seen uh, live on tape, on TV, whatever. Um, it was pretty, pretty freaking amazing. And that uh, the goalie who got injured um, in overtime, uh, it was in the stadium. You didn't know it. You thought he was faking it. Uh, like every soccer player does, fake injury. Uh, seeing it uh, afterwards, oh my freaking God, it was gory as fuck. Um, that leg break was disgusting, absolutely disgusting. Here's the story from the MLS that I will tell you. So MLS, if you guys don't know, I print badges. So on field for media, um, VIP kind of badges and stuff like that for MLS at special events. And I was working the finals last week. And I work until halftime of the event. So uh, first half, I kind of uh, work. MLS got me, I think it was row 10 behind one of the goals. Um, and so me and my partner, Nikki, we went down to the, uh, the field afterwards, after we were done to go watch the game. And a goal was scored, um, and the beer shower started. Um, we were about two, four to four seats away from the actual beer shower. So I told Nikki, I said, Hey, we've got the passes. Let's just go up to the press box and we'll watch it from the press, the press box. So we toured, went up to the press box and usually what I'll do in some of the other places, um, I'll go and find a luxury suite and just kind of sit there. Uh, we can get in there. It's, it's really no problem. We've got the, the access and the, uh, the approval to do it. So. Uh, I'm looking into uh, luxury suites to see <clears throat> which one's uh, not taken, which one's, you know, it's kind of like wedding crashers. Uh, we don't know anybody, but we can absolutely meet people. So we're kind of walking around. This woman, she asked me, uh, she goes, can I help you? And she was obviously in that luxury suite because she had kind of was entering in. And I said, yeah, I'm just looking for a luxury suite. We print these badges. And she goes, oh, my God, you print the badges. I said, yeah. She goes, did you do the owner of the Philadelphia Union? I said, yeah. I said, we do everybody. And it, what was funny was it was literally a half hour, maybe an hour before the game. They had MLS had called me and said nobody submitted for the owner of the Philadelphia Union. And so we had to print out his badge. So she was like, and I told this lady when we were up there, I said, um, who forgets to ask for a, you know access for the owner of one of the teams in the finals? And she looked at me with this like little face. She goes, that was me. <laughs> and I said, well, we got it taken care of. Everything's fine. And she goes, well, she goes, this is the Philadelphia Union owner's box. And he is so thankful. He wants to meet you. So come on in. So he invites, you know, it's, it's the second half. He invites, you know, she invites me and Nikki in. We meet everybody in the booth and we're partying with the Philadelphia Union folks. Um, well, in the overtime Philadelphia Union with like two minutes left goes up one nothing or I'm sorry uh, I think it was two one uh, and so MLS folks come in and we don't know the opera a lot of the um the the on field like the event folks we know operations folks so uh, the lady comes in and she says uh hey um uh, for trophy celebration stand here. 
So I looked at Nikki. I said, we are the ultimate wedding crashers that are going to get on TV and be able to celebrate the Philadelphia Union winning the trophy and our families are going to see us on TV, blah, blah, blah. And FYI, full disclosure, no freaking way I'm going on the field. No freaking way I'm, I'm any part of this event other than just hanging out. Um, there's, I, I wouldn't, just wouldn't have done it. I, I love my job way too much. Um, and it, it would have been the ultimate of just, you know, breaches. But uh, I, I laughed thinking about it, you know. But um, then what happened was like two minutes later. I mean, if you can talk about uh, being in an owner suite and the team actually going up with like a minute to go and the high that everybody in that box felt uh, to uh, L.A. scoring. And it going to a shootout. I mean, that, that score just took, it was like a gut punch. And it was, it was interesting because I think the two owner's boxes were right next door to each other. Um, because we did see quite a few celebrities in the other box. But um, yeah, it was, it was kind of interesting. Um, and what happened was Philadelphia just didn't perform in the shootout very, very well. So um, their goalie did a great job, I think. Um, some of the shooters, you know, could have done a better job but again you know LA played a great match uh Philly I thought played incredibly well um it is tough to be I, I can tell you for me a, a standpoint of knowing soccer players going to a a competitor um uh, the opponent's uh home field home field makes all the difference in the world so but we are not here to talk about MLS we are here to talk about stocks what the hell is going on um Here's what's happening, <clears throat> and I got a question last week about, hey, how do you know that stocks are going to come down, and what do you do during a recession, blah, blah, blah? Well, you know, I don't, if I knew exactly what was going to go on, I'd be, I'd be way, way more wealthy than I am today, but you can kind of tell some stuff. Um, PE, price to earnings, and what I'm going to do is go to Investopedia. Dot com and we're gonna go there and we're gonna look up PE and understanding no we're gonna do price to earnings let's do price to earnings and it'll pull up P ratio there we go read this this is earnings per share price to earnings this tells you everything that you need to know about the PE ratio that I talk to all the time and what you have to know is the S&P trades at a P.E. ratio average of about 17. So 17 is your pivot point. Stocks that are above 17, it doesn't mean that they're over, overvalued and that the price is too high, but it does mean that you need significant growth in earnings because when, when the earnings go up, the P.E. actually goes down. When the earnings go down, the P.E. goes up. And so that 17 being a pivot point, if you can continue to show growth, then your stock should be okay. If you're not going to show growth, then your stock price needs to come down. That's the simple fact, easy to tell, easy to kind of track. It, it's, it's super, super simple. So when I, talk, I, I got asked, well, why, do, why does that matter? What, what does that do? Well, when we're heading into a recession and nobody will show growth because the economy will be pulling back, that P.E. ratio at 17 may get pulled back to 15 or 16 for the S&P. And if it gets pulled back to 15 or 16 for the S&P, anything that's over 17 is going to uh, really, really pull back. So when I, when I talk about P.E., what we can do is we can look at Apple. And since Apple is, you know, my main holding, take a look here. So the PE is 22. Does Apple deserve a 22 multiple when Wall Street is pretty much looking at um, iPhone and growing the iPhone? And that's where Wall Street and, and the big money, not my money, not your money, but the big money. They want iPhone uh, growth. So at 22, um, the iPhones better be growing. Well, today, there's a news story that Apple said COVID shutdowns are affecting the iPhone production. 
before the holidays and there may be delays. That's why you're seeing Apple pre-market trade down uh, significantly. And let's look at active. Well, I don't have to go to Active Trader Pro. I actually go to, go to TrendSpider. It will show me Apple pre-market at one thirty six sixty nine. Now, uh, I started this podcast uh, on YouTube about twenty minutes early, so um, right now we're at nine minutes. You'd look at twenty nine minutes on uh um on YouTube to see this. But the chart, you can see the chart. Apple's super weak. So on YouTube, everybody was saying, well, time to load up on Apple. Here's why I don't know that you necessarily load up on Apple. There's this big, pretty big gap here between that MACD line and the strike line. Your RSI is down at a place where, yeah, you probably should load up on Apple. Anything in the 30s on Apple, load up on it. You could get a great thing. The Bollinger Bands are, are kind of expanding and you're well below your moving averages. And you just had, see how that nine day touched the 200 day and it came down? Well, the 50 day is starting to move positive, but that most likely will start to move negative. Outside these bottom Bollinger Bands, I'd rather see you hold uh, and wait off on buying and buy closer to 140 then buy at 130 and wind up having it down here at 127. It's not unheard of that it goes to 127 because back here in June, we went down to just about 129, 128. So I, I don't know that that's why that MACD kind of scares me a little bit is I do think that you have some downside possibility. If Apple comes out and says, yeah, we're going to have, you know, China's really shutting us down or the economy, you know, Jay Powell says something, you know, devastating again. We've got downside. So it, it's a little bit, eh, I'd probably wait. And remember, not, we're not trying to get Apple for a trade. We're trying to get Apple for long term. Uh, I Apple is one of those that I've identified for myself. And if you feel that way, uh, this is completely up to you uh, because the algorithm, mind you, uh, the algorithm, when it gets you in and out, makes you an, uh, 31% over 1,000 candles. And what that means is we go back 500 trading days. My algorithm is built on four-hour candles. So you have one for the morning and one for the afternoon. And so the algorithm back tests for 1,000 candles. It's historic, so it, it doesn't guarantee future performance, but the best um, uh determination of future performance is past performance. So for 500 trading days, if you were to get in and get out uh, based on the algorithm, and again, time, you can't time the market, so it's not perfect, but it would make you 31%. If you just bought and held Apple for 500 trading days, you'd be up 12%. So it's not the best buy and hold per se over the past um, 500 trading days, which is about you know, just over a year, a year and a half, um, maybe two years. But, you know, 12% in a market like this, eh, I'd probably take it. You could just buy and hold it. I, I don't know that you necessarily want to get in and out. Personally, I've never sold a share of Apple. So that's why I say, hey, you, you may want to hold off on buying is there potentially could be, we could be testing these June ones. Um, you know, if you want to look at a longer term and you go back to a weekly, see, we really haven't moved that much. It really hasn't moved that much. This is a weekly that goes all the way back to 2017, 2016, in fact, back here, where it was trading at an equivalent of $26. Now there's been share splits in here, so it wasn't ever really trading at $26, but the, the, the reality of it is, if we do see a downturn like we saw in 2008, 19, uh, late 2018, where Janet Yellen, who was Fed chairman at that point, uh, she was Jay Powell back then, she started to tighten and raise interest rates and it went too quickly and they quickly realized, oh, we can't do that. The economy's too fragile. Uh, it went down to its 200 day and it used the 200 day as support. Now, even the, the worst of COVID, Apple didn't touch its 200-day, didn't move to the 200-day whatsoever. If we were to go back to 2018 and the Fed were to, quote-unquote, over-tighten, 
This one might go back to its 200 day, and that's 110. So there's the potential of it downside. Uh, you don't use money in the stock market that you use to buy food, that you use to pay rent, that you use to survive. You do not use money that way. And so when I'm telling you to buy into Apple, I'm telling you to take money that is long-term in an IRA, that is long-term in a, hey, this is my emergency fund. Uh, you know, I don't expect to use it in the next two to three years. Um, put money in that like that. And I think Apple's good. And you can look at this chart. Um, even if we were to go to a monthly, which is a significantly longer time frame, you can see we really don't even touch the 200 day uh, ever since the iPhone launched, which was back here in 2004. You trade significantly above that 200 day and you can't even notice the move. So that's where everybody who's saying, hey, let's, let's load up on Apple. Eh, I don't know. Patience. You can buy some. You know, if you want a thousand, say, say you're buying a thousand dollars worth, buy 200 of it today. I do think that 140 is your pivot point on this one. Uh, I don't think you're going to get hurt at 136. Um, I don't think you're going down to 70. I don't think you're going down to zero. I don't think that you're going to get cut in half. They have too much money on the books. These guys could literally up the dividend. They could buy back shares. It could be crazy the amount of uh, financial engineering that they could do. Uh, so I do like it. I like it for that. Um, but that's one thing. Uh, let's talk about Boyle. Boyle's my favorite day trade currently. As you guys know, I've been dying on this one. That MACD cross up at $39.56 is still there. You're trading at $43 right now. Um, I think in pre-market, let's go to Active Trader Pro and look at, let's look at Boyle. Uh, my other big one that I like here is uh, TQQQ. But Boyle in pre-market, it's at 49 Remember how I told you guys that buy it under 40? My ass didn't buy it under 40. Douche me. I missed out on this one. Uh, it's flying. And it's flying in pre-market. Went from 44 up to 51. It's kind of lost its little peak. Um, but obviously last week, you know, this algorithm, $39. You're way up here at about 50. Um. It cut it when it opens up. If it opens up above 48, you're going to cover this first gap. Uh, I don't know that we're going to the second gap, which is, and oh, I've got to go back to Safari. So here's the first gap, which is between 46 and 48. We're going to cover that today. Uh, it's going to gap up. You're going to gap up from 44. So it's going to create a downside gap which is probably going to be a bigger magnet than this upside gap. The upside gap here is between 86 and 94. I do think that, you know, as we head into winter, I think that's where you're going. But I would not buy today in the $50 range thinking, oh, Gary said it's going to go to 100. No, that's not what you do. You, you be uh, patient. And, and you've had to deal with patience at their third. This is a perfect example. This 39.56, we talked about this a lot. You could have day traded this and made a lot of money because you went all the way down to 34. Oh, I'm sorry, 32.93 right here on October 28th. The buy-in was October 25th. October 28th, three days later, you're down at 32. You've lost nearly 10% here. Now, if you had a 5% stop loss, you got out, but did you buy back in? Eh, that's why I say, hey, the algorithm's good. It's decent. This one over 1,000 candles loses you 4% versus buying and holding makes you 29%. Here's the key. The key is that you have 23 positions within those 1,000 candles that you've bought into. 40% uh, of them are wins. Your average win is 38.5%. That's the key with this stock. This is why my day trade and my algorithm on this one, I like. You have to pick out these stocks and you have to have to look at them that way. Um, but I do like this one. And I, I think Boyle is one that I should have day traded. I didn't day trade. The other one that I like to day trade is, as you guys know, TQQQ. And I've, I've said for weeks, TQQQ, when it's under 20, buy into it. 
We don't have a MACD cross up on TQQQ and I don't see a bullish signal right now in the algorithm. Uh, the algorithm uh, here, it was 1932. We went all the way up. You got your 10% out here at 22 and you saw this button hook. And uh, like I said, uh, when I see that button hook, I like to get out. Uh, I don't mind if it continues to run, but I just like to get out. I identify the trade before I get into it. So I probably would have gotten out up here. I definitely would have sold it as it got closer to 20. Um, today you're at 1794. So let's go to Active Trader Pro and we'll look at TQQQ. Um, today, I think it's trading uh, slightly higher. It's just above 18, $18.14. Pivot point still remains at 20, but the algorithm does not have a buy. It's oversold because the RSI is at 39. Uh, it's not tr like the RSI. Um, anything near 20 is considered oversold. <clears throat> anything near 70 <clears throat> is uh, considered overbought. Let me take a drink of water. Mm. <clears throat> so we're kind of in no man's land at 39, but you did get down uh, on Friday in the morning to 31 on the RSI. So you're kind of coming back. That MACD is going to start to turn around. I do think that you could probably day trade this one and you could day trade it fairly well. Um, if we just look at a two day here, see those Bollinger Bands, you're above the nine day. I think you've got some momentum. The problem is it's a Monday. I typically don't buy on the mornings on Mondays. I'd rather wait until we get to 19 and have a pretty good bullish signal in the, um, in the algorithm on the four hour chart. But do what you want. TQQ is one that I like um, under 20. Uh, Meta announced that they are laying off a significant, we're talking about thousands of people. Uh, I think it was up to 20%. You've got gaps in this one all over the place. Um, and you see it's a ski slope down. The Bollinger Bands, remember I talked about Bollinger Bands last week, how they cinch up. See, they're cinched up there. Then all of a sudden, you know, earnings come out and boom, you've got that big downside. Uh, you've got here, if we pull this back, see that volume shelf that's right at about 100? I think 100 is your pivot point. You're about to get a MACD cross up. I think it's trading at about, yeah, 94.71. So you're up about 4%. My expectation is that we get up here at about 100. That's where that volume shelf is. You're building your volume shelves down here, but that's where that volume shelf is. To cover this gap, you'd go from 102 to 127. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that Meta comes back and fills that gap. Uh, if it fills that gap, it's got a lot more to fill on the way up. These Bollinger Bands are huge. They're going to want to come in, and I think my guess is you're going to be between 90 and 103 uh, to cinch that up. But I, I do like Meta. Uh, I still use it. I use Instagram, obviously. Some of you guys follow me on there. Uh, <clears throat> but that's one. Uh, by the way, talking about Meta, uh, this is one that Jim Cramer has gotten the club folks in, charging them $600 a year. Uh, I'm sorry. I've misled you. <laughs> Douche. Hate that guy. But did you notice? Jim Cramer goes to the second game of the Phillies World Series, posts a picture on his Twitter. Uh, what did the Phillies do? They lost four games in a row. They lost the World Series. Inverse Cramer, in effect, even in sports, his Philadelphia Eagles won't win a Super Bowl this year. They're going to go undefeated. He will go to a game. Uh, he will post a picture. He will say, these guys are the greatest things ever. Blah blah blah. They will lose. Jaden hurt. Might get you know. He might get hurt. So uh, Kramer effect in effect. Um. Let's see. Oh, the article that I posted on Twitter last night. I think I posted um the story on uh Instagram as well. Was about Uber, and it's a Molly Fool article. And let's go to Twitter. And we'll, uh, let me just pull up the article. <clears throat> if I go to my profile, and then let's see, we'll scroll do, 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 down. I think I 
reposted some stuff, yeah. Uh, one super stock down 51%, you'll regret not, regret not buying on the dip. This Motley Fool article goes over that Uber, they are cash flow positive. That was their last earnings. They jumped on their last cash flow earnings. Um, and it set a new record. Kind of shows you that the world's opening up. See, this is, this is a chart. Monthly active platform customers. Uh, I use Uber when I travel. I don't know if you guys do. It's so much easier than a taxi. Uh, you had a cross up here at $30.04 right after earnings. Um, you've settled in to $28.69. I haven't purchased this one myself. You've got these Bollinger Bands cinching up here. I've said that 30 is a pivot point, so anything under 30, I thought at that 27 level, that with earnings, we would go up to 30. We did. You had a 10% gain the previous buy on this one. I like Uber for a long term. Um, when we look at a little bit back here, there are gaps all over this stock. And that's one of the problems with trading a newer, how do you say, category of stock. Um, specifically in the pandemic is what I'm noticing is that this is just a stock that has been a ski slope down. Now, it's kind of going to use that 200-day as a resistance level. I think it's going to sit there at that 200-day for a while. And that 200-day is right at 30. That's why I picked 30. Uh, but you can see right here when it capitulates there, it makes moves. And, and ever since we went into this downturn uh, for Uber, which was July of last year, it's just kind of gone down, down, down. And you went down and you put in a bottom at about 20. Then you started to come back with travel. And so I do think that this one starts to move back up. Now the algorithm, it loses you 59% versus buying and holding loses you 42%. Uh, the average win is 8%. You win 24% of the time. There are 34 positions. This is a highly volatile stock. I think you can absolutely trade it. But in my mind, I think you do buy this one. My guess is that you could buy it closer to 25. Um, so I'm not saying buy it right now. But I do think you buy the dip on this one. And I, I, I think here in, in, in November, I think we'll, uh, we'll absolutely um, head down. I just don't think... There's not a lot of catalyst to go up. So I just don't see it. Um, another one that I like, uh, that I've always liked, and I do think Jim Cramer's right about this one. I just think he hits it. He just doesn't understand that chips just aren't in vogue right now. Um, but NVIDIA, and NVIDIA had a cross up um, here on October 18th at 123. You're trading at 146. 141. So it's it's been a good move up. Um, you've got your earnings coming up November 16th. Chips have been killed on earnings. And you can clearly see that it's using that 200 day as a resistance level. That 200 day is at 150. So if you bought here at 140, I think you'll get to 150. I think it'll touch that before earnings. And then I think on earnings, you know, it's a crapshoot. What are they going to say? And, and remember I talked about PE? Here's the issue with, P, with uh, NVIDIA. That PE is at 46. Remember the S&P is at 17. They have to show growth in order to continue. Uh, what we've seen with chips is the overordering of chips. So uh, suppliers with the chip shortage previously, they wound up double ordering. And so NVIDIA's got this entire uh, inventory problem. And they just haven't managed it well. Year-to-date, uh, you're down 51%. Um, earnings per share this year, uh, up 123% year-over-year. So the growth, the growth is huge. But does it justify uh, four times what the S&P uh, will trade at? Probably not. Um, they're going over Sam Bankman-Fried, who I'm a fan of, by the way, if you don't know FTX. Uh, I really like Sam Bankman-Fried. I think he's a super, super smart guy. Um, I like him. But NVIDIA had a cross-up, and, and, and I wanted to go over it because I couldn't believe the run-up that we've had. Um, and we've had it on all chips, by the way. 
And I've got some cross-ups going on later, but I wanted to show you the SOXL, which is the triple-levered ETF for chips. Um, this one has been for semiconductors. Uh, it got you out on Friday. I think it was Friday, maybe Thursday. With a 20% gain at $9, and I wasn't on air, so I wasn't able to do it. I still think that we've got this $10.26 to $11.20 gap within range. Um, and, and it might be NVIDIA earnings that push that up. I don't want to say bet on NVIDIA. I'd rather see you bet on this SOXL uh, and, and try and gain that. But again, you had a, this is a great one. October 19th, $7.27. It's been a ski slope down, but SOXL, you get up there and you sell it at, what, when did they sell it at? $9.22. So it's a 20 per, 19 point something percent gain. Uh, I like it. Uh, so we went over TQQ, we went over Boyle, uh, Boyle's pivot, I still think is 40, uh, NVIDIA 144, Meta with their layoffs, I, I think you've got some gaps to fill up there, um, just stocks with SOXL, VOC, Jesse on YouTube wanted me to look at VOC, VOC Energy Trust, this was one, I think he's asked me about it before, um, let's see, got you in at $9.04, Jesse. This is one, they just paid their dividend and you can clearly see there's that, that gap there. Once they paid their dividend, gap down from $9.66 to $9.49. My guess with this buy-in on Friday at $9.04, you're trading at $9.12 right now. Um, let me see some of their fundamentals, VOC. Uh, P is at 10, so it's average. Their dividend is 14%, so you got paid out on the dividend. Uh, Year-to-date, it's 90, up 92%. Um, I like that gap up there. So here's where I, would, where I would say, if I were to trade this one, Jesse, I would say at $9 and, and, and anything under $9, I think you can, you can buy, but I would probably put my stop um, right. Uh, honestly, I'd probably put a pretty quick stop on this one at about $8.25. I think you could go down to this shelf right here at about $8.40 if you wanted a, a pretty um, sizable stop. But what worries me here is you can see right up to the dividend, the volume. And then you got this volume right after. Um, the dividend, and, and that's what kind of brought this in. You're not seeing the volume Friday. And so the volume's not staying there. Uh, the MACD did cross up. Your RSI's at 54. I don't, fundamentally, I don't think anything is kind of, oh my God, red flag, you should be out of this one. Uh, I haven't read the articles on it, but I would say from a trade standpoint, I would put a pretty big stop on that one. From the upside, I do think that you, if you get close to this, if you get near $9.30, um, you're at $9.06 now, you were just under nine. I'd say nine is your pivot point, but put a pretty close stop on the bottom. Uh, I do, I, I like, see this gap was filled. I think that's still going to probably attract it up there. So uh, it was filled November 3rd, so Thursday. God, imagine if you bought it down here in the $7 range. <laughs> it got you out, faked out. See that 18% uh, gain right there? It faked you out, it sold you out, and then it got you right back in. I think it covered that gap. I think it's going to go back up there. It wants to fill that gap with the dividend. So uh, I like that one. Uh, CRK, Tom brought up CRK is gapping up. We'll take a look at meta by the way, and we'll see the gap up, uh, CRK gapped up. See that gap right there. Well, it's not going to create a gap in trend spider because it won't create a, create a gap until, um, the candle closes because you don't know if the, if the market crashes and this one for some reason trades down to 17 during this session, uh, the morning session, uh, it won't create a gap. But I think that the gaps back here between 20 and 21, I think you're going to fill those. So I think 1974, even though it looks like it gapped up, 
I think you're still going to fill those. Your catalyst here is the dividend payment on November 30th at the end of the thing, at the end of the month. 65 is your RSI. I, I you know, I this is a, uh, a, um, this is a uh, Comstock, CRK, uh, fertilizer company. Their PE is 16. These are crazy. This year in particular, oh, this is energy. Um, yeah, this is production of oil and natural gas. I keep thinking, for some reason, I keep thinking Comstock is fertilizer because you do use natural gas uh, in the creation of fertilizer. Up 127% year to date. They have a 2.71% dividend. The PE is at 16. So uh, I like that one, Tom. It's a good one. Uh, one that I've noticed, <laughs> I think uh, it was a few people. I said, hey, just buy Snowflake. Well, Snowflake's down today. It's down 1.8%. It's weak. It's RSI is down at 25. Uh, I own this one at 183. Uh, didn't get out with gains. Several times I had gains to be able to get out 10, 15%. I view this as a long-term buy. I'll probably add to it. Probably won't add to it today. Uh, see that MACD cross down? It's the, the MACD, that blue line is nowhere near that yellow line right there. Uh, their earnings are coming up on November 30th at the end of the month. You're trading on the downside of the nine day, downside of the 21 day, the, the 50 day, which is the blue line just crossed the red line, uh, or it's about to cross it, uh, which is called the death cross. You've got this gap up here about 183 to 187. That's why I'm not necessarily afraid of getting out there. I do think that this gap gets filled um, at some point in time. And it might be on earnings. Look at how it gapped up during earnings last time. How it traded right before earnings. It traded down to about 150. Went all the way up to just over 200. Um, oh, my Active Trader Pro just crashed. Uh, so I still like uh, Snowflake. So I, I, I don't think you have anything to be afraid of. Another podcast favorite that I wanted to go over that was looking weak is Cleveland Cliffs. Um, this one, it doesn't have a MACD cross up, probably will get it today at about 13. My guess is that you'll go up here and, and start to fill this gap up here between at 15. So I do think that you have an opportunity to get into this one. Now, remember this is a $7 stock pre pandemic. Um, it's not crazy expensive, uh, CLF it's uh, PE is at two, um, their earnings per share, uh, year over year. Uh, are down 42%. They were up last year. Uh, and the reason they were up last year is just you had the backlog of COVID. So that's why you're seeing this stock go down. Uh, I'm not trading this one for a long-term buy and hold. I'm trading this one to make 10, 15, 20%. That's all I'm trying to do. You can trade your options on this one. I like this one. Uh, there is a gap down here between 12 and $12.50 and $12.07. That one would worry me a little bit um, just because you, it's, a, it's a downward trending stock. So in downward trending stocks, um, gaps down typically attract more than gaps up. So, But I do like Cleveland Cliff still. Uh, let's look at some of our energy plays since I didn't look at them last week. Uh, Viper Energy, VNOM, which I always call um, Venom Energy. You've got a gap down here, but this is an upward trending stock between 28 and 29. We had our algorithm buy us in at 27. You're 35 right now, and you're still going, still strong. You're outside the top of the Bollinger Band. No reason to fear. Keep going on that one. Their earnings are coming up November 7th. Is it post-market? I think it's post-market. Uh, yeah. Today, after, after the bell, they're going to announce record earnings. They're probably going to up their dividend. This is one that has a crazy, crazy dividend. Uh, I think it's 15%. No, it's only nine. So don't, don't let my 15% hype you down. <laughs> only nine. But it's a 9% dividend. You're up 61% this year. Your PE is 24. They're growing. They deserve that PE. And most likely when they announce earnings, the... um the PE is going to go actually down. So the stock will go up uh, because it's you know going to trade at a higher higher PE. COP, ConocoPhillips, still in on this trade. Uh, October 3rd, $106. You're trading at $134. Crazy. 
your earnings have already happened. Your next catalyst is the dividend payment at the end of, uh, looks like the end of December. I'd have to look that one up. But COP still in, is still in there. Uh, Devon Energy reports, I think it's this week. No, they reported last week. Um, and you gap down. Uh, the algorithm has you out of this one. I didn't sell. I think you're you're pretty much trending. I, I always say 60 is your pivot point on this one. Uh, I still say 60 is your pivot point on this one. I wouldn't necessarily buy in. If you got out, maybe you buy back, back in. Uh, the dividend, the next catalyst is December 9th. And their dividend is is super, it's the largest dividend in the S&P. Uh, I think it's 9% as well. 6.52. So again, I'm I'm assuming that uh, dividends are way higher than they are. Occidental Petroleum, I own. Um, their earnings are coming up November 8th, tomorrow. Uh, this is one that Buffett owns 20% of. It's up 2% today. Um, you know, you still still have strength. This one has a good dividend as well. Nothing too huge, but Occidental's good. Uh, XOM, we had Exxon earnings. Uh, you had great earnings. You passed their earnings back on October 27th. You still got positive momentum here. Your dividend is November 14th. You're at 52-week highs, and I think it's all-time highs here uh, on XOM. I have a significant chunk of XOM. Uh, uh, Chevron CVX. This is Jim Cramer's favorite, so it's bound to fail at some point. Uh, buy in at 148. You're trading at 184. I continue to say that 160 is your pivot point on this one. Don't buy in right now. It's weight run way too much. Uh, Fang, which is Diamondback Resources. This is one with an incredible dividend. Uh, algorithm got you in at 119 on September 30th. Your earnings are coming up. Uh, did they? They're coming up after the bell today. Yep, after the bell today. They're going to announce record earnings. Uh, I don't expect it to gap down. I don't expect it to sell down. They have a great dividend. Um, there is this gap down here between 121 and 125, which will get filled at some point. So I don't think that you buy in here at 160, but just showing you some of the runs of these. Uh, Pioneer Resources, uh, PXD. Uh, this one has had a phenomenal run. Those Bollinger Bands are syncing up. The algorithm did get you out on November 30. It hasn't gotten you back in, but this might be one. You've had your earnings. Your next, uh, next catalyst is the dividend, November 29th, and this one does have a pretty decent, yeah, 10.22% dividend. I would think as long as energy holds up on this one, I think you're good to go. I, in fact, I think with that MACD cross-up that's going to come, 256, uh, I think if you could get this around the 245 mark, anywhere between 248 and 250, I think you you shovel some money into this one. Um, this might be one of the best ones of the uh, energy list that I've got. So let's go over some scans. I, I mentioned that um, uh, the, the chips, Micron, was doing well. Uh, we had a cross up here uh, this morning, 56.17. Is the cross up? You're trading at 55, so it's it's below the uh, the algorithm price, and the only reason is because going into open, we've we've kind of cinched down a little bit. Uh, we haven't haven't really gotten uh, going. I'll look at. I'm opening Active Trader Pro as we speak, so I can look at the markets. But Micron had a cross up. I already talked about Nvidia. We had a cross up here in the morning. Um, it should put it on. Yep, it's. Well, it should put it on my chart. Oh, it's a secondary cross up. You crossed at 123. You're crossing again. The RSI is way too high, but their earnings are going to be a catalyst. Um, so I figured I'd include it. The other one that the other one that I want to include that had a cross up is Union Pacific. And the reason why I want to uh, point this one out: 196.83. You're trading at 197. There's a gap here between 206 and 207. And also a gap closer to the 200-day at 216 to 217. Um, Union Pacific, let's look at some of this. It's a, uh, we'll go down to the description. It's a shipping company. Um, it's a railroad. Uh, Buffett owns a large amount of this. Um, downgrade, RBC market. Uh, sector to underperform 200 to 187. Their PE is right at the 17 level. Year to date, they're down 21%. They have a 2.64% dividend. 
You can clearly see up here at 270, they've come down. Um, the reason why I bring this up is I think that this gap up here uh, between 206 and 208 is a good one. I, I, I think that's where you're going to look. Union Pacific is one that you could probably just buy and hold. Honestly, that's why I'm bringing it up in this market. It's gone, come down significantly. This is the daily. If we were to look at the weekly, um, you barely, you know, you're, you're going to use this 200 day right here at about 200. That's your pivot point. Look at the last time it broke the 200 day. It was COVID and you shot up. So this is why I bring this up because I, I do think um, you see here between 2015 and 2016, you went from 119 down to 78. This was where Buffett bought in. And so he's ridden it up. I do think that they'll, they'll figure things out. Railroads are pretty much, you know, indestructible currently. Um, Sammy wants me to look at tops. I'll close out. Tops is one. This is a day trader favorite. It's not going to provide me a ton of info here. Um, and you can see, I mean, just look at this uh, right here. Tops is where you're going to get. This is um, a shipping company. This is uh, one of those that's a, a day tra trader favorite. Look at the volume. That's where you're going to get the push. Tops is, is just, it's all hype. So if we go over here and I go to Active Trader Pro, um, let me pull it up. Active Trader Pro, we'll look at uh, tops from a today standpoint. And I'll show you, Sammy, how to look at this one. Um, we're going to look at a five day. And this is a five minute chart. It's got no confirmation whatsoever. So take a look at, if we look, zoom in, and we just look at today's, see how it's below that green line? That green line is nine day. The yellow lines are 21 day. And the shading is the, uh, the Bollinger Bands. And this red line is a 200 day. That red line is to tell you the direction of the stock. And over a five day, look at it. Is there a reason to think that this one's coming back up? Probably not. You're on the weak side of the Bollinger Bands. The Bollinger Bands are sinking up. Until you get above that 9 or the 21, there's no reason to trade this. You can gamble. Gamble all you want. I'm not about gambling. I'd rather just wait. Uh, I'd rather put my money into a company that even if I lose 5, 10, 15, 20% in it, at some point it's going to come back. Um, I don't worry about you know, the five-minute stuff. If you really want to trade something um, quickly, uh, the ones that I like, Boyle. Boyle is one that I've been on this podcast spouting about. Uh, it's up over 50 right now. I wouldn't trade it today. I'd probably wait until this one. But I've been spouting on this one that anything under 40, you buy this one. Uh, the other one that I love to day trade is TQQQ. Uh, I think 20 is your, uh, your pivot point on that one. Um, and Jackson brings up a good one. Uvixi. The VIX right now is at 25. Uvixi, as we get into periods of extreme volatility, the, the VIX wants to be at 30 in extreme volatile markets. Um, I don't know that we're necessarily looking at an extreme volatile market. Um, but Uvixi under 10 <clears throat> at 946. I just seem to think that at some point in time, it's up. The VIX is up 3.22%, and Uvixi just hasn't moved. Remember, we talked about, we looked at it on podcast. I don't know if it was a podcast or YouTube live. We looked at how Uvixi is traded. It's traded against the futures. So it doesn't track the VIX directly, it trades on the futures. Um, so Uvixi actually has no value whatsoever. This is not a stock that you buy and hold on to and say, hey, the capital is going to appreciate. They're really putting their money to work. No, it's trading on the futures of, uh, of the VIX. So to me, with this one down slightly, with this one kind of trading under 10, not really moving, you look at Friday, this is Friday's move. Um, it went from 9.10 all the way up to 975. Big, big move. You had a 10% move in the day. Um, it's just settling back in. 
Uh, I see it on the upside of the uh, the the nine day and the twenty one day, and with the VIX at twenty five up three percent, I think you're going to move a little bit. I think anything under ten on this one, I think you're good. Uh, I think it wants to go back back to ten. So uh, another one that, by the way, I'll tell you. Um, let's go back to Active Trader Pro, or I'm sorry, Trend Spider, Tesla. So. Some people hate Elon Musk. Um, here, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, so, when Earthlink did, when I joined Earthlink, it was right after the founder, um, Gary Betty, the original CEO. Um, he died like two weeks after I accepted the job offer. So, I decided, hey, am I going to stay? Um, and there was an interim CEO, Mike Lunsford, who was the CE, CFO. Um, and it was fairly clear to me at looking at Earthlink that they were a drowning ship and they needed to turn things around. So they were trying out different businesses, different uh, tactics and blah, blah, blah. And I came in at an extremely volatile time. So once the board decided that Lunsford was not the CEO, they went out on a CEO search. I started in January. The CEO search started in February, I believe. Um, and what happened was he came in, Rolla came in in June and Rolla said, yeah, we need to upheaval this business. This is my view of the business, blah, blah, blah. Same thing that Elon Musk is doing with Twitter right now. They're a drowning ship. They're losing money. So Elon's like, listen, I just paid billions of dollars. I overpaid for this, this asset. Um, I want to get my money out and I'm going to come in and I'm going to make things lean and I'm going to change things up. Um, he's running it the way he wants to run it. It's a private business. He can do it. Anybody who's saying, well, these people were treated unfairly, they're treated like employees. I mean, you can hate it, but that's what you are to a company. Um, you're an employee. Some companies value employees more than others. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's as simple as that. When I joined Earthlink, I didn't think that I was going to be, you know, it was a lifelong assignment. Um, I was there to do a job and I did it as well as I could for as long as I could. Um, by, I started in January. By September, half the company was let go. So um, I just, you know, Elon, in my mind, is he doing something wrong by letting these people go? Absolutely not. I think that's the only thing that he could have done. It's not like they've had a, a genius in Twitter that says, hey, here's a new product um, you know, for Twitter that we can do. Look, look at Twitter. Uh, when Jack was running it, they did, um, what was that, Vine. Well, what did Vine turn into? Vine, Vine went bankrupt, didn't make a thing. And then all of a sudden, TikTok comes around. TikTok's the same thing as Vine. Why couldn't Twitter make it work? Oh, employees, that's right. They couldn't learn how to monetize it. Um, yeah, again, you know, I, I don't think Elon's doing anything wrong. He's giving them, I think he gave them 90 days of severance. Shit. In my mind, I think you're doing something right there. Uh, now you may not like his views on reinstating some people on shutting other people down, um, on bolstering some voices. He's obviously found some things in there that were, uh, troubling to him. He's made it semi-public. Uh, I think he's hiding some stuff uh, for um, protection purposes. I don't think there's some evil mastermind in him. Uh, I don't think he's that well thought out. I think he's more of a hype man. But um, what you have to worry from a uh, trading standpoint is he no longer has Twitter on the market. The one public company that he does have is Tesla. And this is where he got all of his money to buy Twitter. And when I said, hey, I think Twitter, Tesla could go down to the 138 mark, um, I wasn't joking. I, I think 200 your pivot point on this one. I still hold my, um, my shares uh, that are from uh, way back when, I think it was August 2020. Shit, I bought shares in like 2018 and I got out. But um, if we are to look at this, I think it's a weekly chart is where I saw it. Uh, and I had the, um, 
I had it annotated, but I think I took it out. Uh, but let's go back to a daily. If we go back to a daily, there's some gaps up. There are some gaps up, but you're dealing with a downward trending stock now on that 200 day. So the gaps up um, are, are a little less than the gaps down. And you've got this gap down here between 139 and 143. In my mind, I think that's where you're going. You're trading at 203 right now. Uh, I've said even with some of the upturn that we've seen, if you want to do short, shorter term trading, be perfectly fine with it. But I think longer term, as we get out here, uh, I think that's where you're going. Um, now, if you want to buy and hold for the next five years, I don't think 200 is a bad pivot point on that one. Below 200, load up. Uh, above 200, load up smaller sizes. Uh, but I do think that we're going to dip, dip below 200. And I think this gap here between 140, 136 and 143, I think that's a gap that, that does get a little interesting. And here, let's bring this. And what I'm going to do is bring this back to the beginning where this gap was. This is a volume shelf indicator on a trend spider. And so where are people holding? You can see clearly, clearly, look at where the majority of people are holding. These are not people that are sitting here and buying and holding. The majority of people who are actually buying, who have held Tesla all the way since November 27th, 2020. So you're almost two years. The number of people who are buying from November 2020 are not holding at that price. They are buying and selling. The biggest volume right now is between 220 and 221. Now, if we go back here and we go to a weekly and I were to pull this volume shelf back uh, where's my volume shelf? There it is. I'm not going to pull it back that far. But the 2019 kind of start to the spike. Clearly, you can see there's a volume shelf here at 61. I don't think that you're going back to that. Uh, you're sitting here at 110. I don't think that you're going back here. But remember that gap that I told you between 127 and 136? Look at this. If we lose this support under 200 and we close under 200, I think that 160 to 148 kind of volume shelf right here provides you with the level of support that that Tesla is going to need. That's why I'm a little bit nervous. And trust me, on charts, you can talk yourself out of any trade. So uh, I'm not adding it back in my 50%, but I do. that's why I'm sitting on the sidelines on Tesla. I haven't shut down my Twitter account. Um, I don't necessarily see anything wrong with what's going on Twitter. Uh, I think that some people might see something different and not like it. It's totally your opinion. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that it's not happening because I do think that there are some changes that are happening. And if you don't like it, you don't, you know, you don't have to use Twitter. Shit. I got Instagram. Um, I'm not on TikTok. And part of the reason I'm not on TikTok I don't trust the Chinese. I just don't. You guys know I don't trade China, China stocks. I hold a shit ton of BABA at about 50% of what I paid for it. So uh, let's talk about the real estate market before I end the podcast. And then I'll hang out on YouTube. But uh, DRN and DRV, uh, which one's trading better? Well, with DRN, you've got this gap up here between 16 and 1650. Today, you're trading at 945. Do I believe that the home builders are going to go into a bull market? And this is three-time levered ETF. This is DRN. I don't know. Um, you know, home builders are uh, continuing to build. Costs are coming down. Margins are starting to increase. Uh, but with the increase in um, uh, interest rates, you're having some problems selling homes. So that's where, you know, right now DRN has you a buy-in at $8.09. Brilliant move because you're at $9.45 right now. DRV, on the other hand, you're out. Uh, I'm sorry, DRV you're actually in. $65.14, it's down at $62.80. Um, so you, you, you are out. You are in on that one. I probably would. I'd be careful on this one. Uh, I would have a stop somewhere around $60, I think. Um, 
if you did buy into this one. And the reason I say that is because of this, this, this gap down here. Uh, I think that gap down there with a stock that you just got out of a, a 38% gain, which you could have had 50, 60% on, um, if you paid attention to the, the button hook. I, on this one, if you guys remember around September 29th, I said, there's the button hook, get out. And then somebody on Twitter said, buys up 50% today. Oh, okay. So I made a mistake and the algorithm didn't get you out. I thought it was going to get you out, but you continued on from 62 up to about 84, 85. The high was 84.94. So it just got you back in at 65.20. I don't know. Not super strong on it. But if you do think that the housing market is going to uh, be hurt, then I'd stay on it. Uh, right now, markets have kind of pulled back. We were up significantly uh, on the Dow. We were up 200 points or so. You're only up 117. Um, uh, NASDAQ is up 8.08%, so it's not huge. Um, the big movers in my portfolio, VRTS, is up. Meta is still up 5%. I still think that hundreds where you're going on that one. Uh, Microsoft's 1%, but God, it's been beaten down so much. Who cares about 1%? Um, Palantir, which announced earnings this morning, is down almost 10%. That's a crazy, I, it's a dud. I think I got $5,000 into that, which, which uh, I, I'm down 50% on, probably 60, maybe 70% on it. PayPal's up about 2%. Ruth Chris is down about 10%. That's been one. I think I have $1,000 into it. Not much. Square is up 6%. Uh, Viatris is up 14%. This is the spinoff from Pfizer. So you've got some stuff out there that's moving. Uh, I'll be back on tomorrow. Uh, thank you guys for hanging with me yet uh, through the week last week. Uh, if you're still listening, remember I'm on YouTube live. Watch the charts. Started about 20 minutes uh, late, so we're at about an hour. So anytime, if you wanted to see the charts, you just look at the timestamp on it. Add 20 minutes, go to the YouTube channel. You'll be able to see it. Okay, guys, take care. Bye.